welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Well, it's good to see you guys. As I am getting settled, I'm going to do uh, have you do something. I want to encourage you, uh, look around the room and like wave at somebody, uh, greet somebody this morning. If you're at home alone, talk to yourself, I suppose, or uh, maybe your cat, something along those lines. Uh, we used to have uh, a little bit of an extended greeting time back in the day, and I kind of missed that a little bit. So give somebody a, a howdy-do. You guys were like, just like, man. I feel like I'm teaching a remedial math class here on Sunday morning. Come on, let's go. Let's get into this. We are beginning a new sermon series this morning entitled Made New. We're going to be spending the next five weeks together uh, talking about that. Uh, The Bible talks often about uh, new, fresh, resurrection, redemption, all of those themes. Uh, And in particular, we're going to be looking at uh, how to be made new in a sense, to know that we are, and then to live that out, uh, and we'll be talking about everything from uh, what it means to be uh, to have new life and to have a new identity, uh, to be renewed in our minds, as the Apostle Paul encourages us in several places in his letters to the churches. We'll be talking about having uh, new desires and perspectives um, and, and things along those lines. But before we get to all of that stuff, which is kind of the Uh, the outcome in our life, the participation or the fruit or the evidence, we need to start really at the foundation of what does it actually mean to be made new. And so that's where we're going to start this morning. Uh, And just quick show of hands, how many of you have ever bought something that was refurbished? It's a nice way of saying, who's frugal, right? Throw your hands up, right? Uh, we, we have done that on a number of occasions, and you, you and I both know what's going to happen when you buy something refurbished. You're rolling the dice, aren't you? You're rolling the dice. It, it may work out. It may not, but the price point is worth the chance, and so you're going to roll the dice there. Uh, we did that with a sound booth computer several years ago. It was lagging. It was glitching. We were having some software problems, and so we were looking at it. We decided to diagnose it, and we thought, well, we can get a new computer, or you know what? We can look for a refurbished one. We'll look to try to actually just address the problems with this one. So we took that computer down to the emergency computer room in Denver, right? One of those places where you're like, oh, it's on life support. Can you do something, doctor, quick? And they put in a new hard drive, and they addressed some expanded memory. And the outcome was that we had a refurbished computer with the same old problems uh, because the computer was obsolete. It was like 12 years old, let's be honest. It was a long shot. But we gave it the, the, the good try there. We tried to address things in our own understanding. We tried to just make some minor adjustments, and we just came back with the same results. And I share that with you as we begin this series and as we kind of start laying the platform for understanding what it means to be made new in Christ, because a lot of times we approach our spirituality as a refurbishment. Uh, we we kind of present our broken selves to the Lord, and we ask him to kind of make a few adjustments, and then we think that as a result of that, we're going to operate in a different way, and oftentimes our self-operating system, just who we are and how we have uh, learned to live life takes over, and we try to go through the same kind of processes, hoping for different results, and we find ourselves not seeing that. Uh, those of us who have come to Christ 
in faith still at times see expressions in our life that don't really look like the heart of God, where even some of our intentions or motives might be enough to kind of pervert or deflect the direction of our life and the outcome or the fruit doesn't look like we had hoped for. Uh, And there are times where um, we can acknowledge that God's done something new or different in us. We would even say, hey, I've changed But then sometimes the things that are going on in our life doesn't really look like change. In fact, oftentimes it looks like what things did before. If if I'm changed, if if God has done something significant in me, then why do I at times not act or think or do different? Have you been there? Have you asked those questions? You probably have. And with that kind of that discrepancy with what I would call a misalignment between who we know we're supposed to be and who we seem to be in our daily lives, that discrepancy oftentimes comes with you and I deciding we're going to double down on our own efforts. We're going to address the issues. We're going to do our very best to kind of get it right this time, right? How many of you guys have done the pinky promise with Jesus? This time I'm not going to X, Y, and Z, or this time I will follow through on X, Y, And Z, I'm going to do it this time or I'm going to stop it this time. We find ourselves in that place. And when we lean into that and we go back to our own operating system of doing things in our own strength, the result of that is we're frustrated. I've been in that place so many times in my life where I have forgotten what it means to be made new and I've gone back to trying to make myself new. And so we need to start with an approach that begins with looking at what it means to be made new. We're going to do that this morning. And then we're going to start looking in the next weeks to see what it looks like to have that lived out in our lives. If you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get it out and raise it up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, you can download it right now. It'll be on your phone before we're done praying. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to receive from your word today. Lord, I pray that you would give us a willingness to hear and the courage to act. Give us a sensitivity to your spirit. And Lord, let us in our heart of hearts acknowledge the truth of your word and then put it into practice in Jesus' name. Amen. Your Bible's out. You can go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be uh, starting there this morning. We're going to be unpacking a specific couple of verses there. If you're a note taker or a highlighter, there'll be a few things that I'm going to encourage you to take note of, and they will be good foundational things to hold on to in the next several weeks as we walk through this series. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Paul is uh, making a statement to the Corinthian church about it, what it means to be made new. And if you're familiar with his letters to the church in Corinth, that church had a lot of problems Uh, And he was often bringing direction and correction to not only the activity of their church life, but their their thinking and their theological framework. And so he's bringing about uh, a lot of change, and he's trying to, to bring them back to an alignment and to a center with the truth of God's word. And this is one of those places here where he's trying to remind them about who they are because what Christ has done in them. And this oftentimes, if if you're in a place where you start to kind of slide, if you're in a place where you start to backslide, if you're in a place where you start to try to work your way or earn your way back towards the Lord, can I tell you that this reminder is going to be really, really helpful. Who you are because of what Christ has done, not who you are trying to become through your own effort. 
And so he brings kind of this uh, correction and redirection for them. And if you would look at the verses 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it reads this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. A number of translations will use a different phrasing there. They'll say that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. I think that's actually a better way to translate that Greek phrase. The old has gone, the new is here. So there's something that has fundamentally changed in what Paul is saying here. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So there's a few points in here that are really important to start with. One is that if you are in Christ, something new and dynamic has happened in your life that has fundamentally changed you from what was to who you now are. And two, that all of this is from God, that this isn't something that comes from your effort. This isn't the fruit of your own work. This isn't something that you planned for yourself. This isn't a self-help directive, but this is something that God has done, that he has initiated, that he's put the heavy lifting into, and that he's completed in you in Christ. And it's important to land on those two things. But the phrase that I want you to highlight, and you need to hold on to this through the duration of this series, is the phrase, in Christ. If you're a note taker, if you're a circler, if you're a highlighter, uh, I would draw your attention to that. If anyone is in Christ, then this is true of them. And this distinction is one that we need to make sure that we hold on to because it has to do with what uh, God has worked in your life as a result of Jesus being your Lord and Savior. And so if you're in a place this morning, if you're in a place at home where you haven't received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you haven't yielded your life to Christ, you haven't received salvation, you haven't been born again, there's a lot of different ways that we would say uh, that has been a distinctive in your life. If that's not the case, then you actually, you're not a new creation yet. You're still you. But anyone who has put their faith in Christ, if you've received salvation, you need to understand that you are a new creation. With that distinction, anybody who hasn't made that decision, you can, and you could do that this morning, and I would encourage you to. But if you have already, that's already a done deal, and that's going to be an important thing for us to note. And we use a lot of language in uh, kind of church history at different times, right? If you're doing children's church, you might talk to a kid about receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and you'd say, have you asked Jesus into your heart, right? Maybe you've used that language. Uh, some of us grew up in churches where it's like, you gotta be, you got to be born again, right? Anybody in that church? Like th different times in church history, Paul uses this phrase, in Christ, to identify that. And so I would draw your attention to that because especially like in the book of Ephesians and a number of the other uh, letters that Paul writes to the church, you'll bump into this phrase, in Christ, in Christ. And there's all kinds of reminders, all kinds of promises of what happens for those who are in that place. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's you. You need to take note of that. Everywhere in Scripture where it says, in Christ, this is true, that is true of you if you have received Christ. And so Paul starts with this uh, reminder for them, this direction and this correction of fundamentally who they are in Christ. He brings about a reminder of their new identity, that they are a new creation. And so what we're going to do for just a few minutes is we're going to unpack what, what that is. What does it mean to be a new creation? Because a lot of times we address this concept like we've been refurbished. 
that somehow we're just kind of the same broken, jacked up, whatever person we were when we came to Jesus, and now we just know that we're supposed to be different, so we'll try harder to make that happen. And so we approach it as a refurbishment, but this idea of being a new creation, it's, it's completely other than what was before. So the word new, if you were going to understand that in the, in the Greek, this, this word has to do with something that is new in form or new in quality, that it's fundamentally different. It's not just refurbished and then repackaged or rebranded. It's something that is, is, is completely new and something that's completely different. Another part of the word brings the connotation of something that is, is uh, unaccustomed to or something that has been unused. So it, it would be like if you had something that was still in the package and you would say it's mint condition, right? Some of you are beanie baby collectors. No, nobody would ever do that. Just flush your money down the toilet. I'm teasing. But new, in the package, it's preserved, right? It, it's never been opened. This concept, this idea of new here, it's not refurbished. It's, it's brand new. And then this word here for creation not only speaks of what has been created, but it speaks of the process of creation. In fact, the word can mean the idea of the act of creation or the result of a creative act that's being used here. And the language that Paul is using is not the idea of creating something out of what is there, but he's using language from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 where God speaks creation into being. So I've got two boys, and my boys love to play with Legos. We've got a Lego table in the basement. That's a good place to keep the Legos, parents, by the way. Like find a, just put a hole in the ground under your house. I mean, it's the basement, right? So it's confined there, and the kids go down and they play, and they're super creative. They build all kinds of stuff, and I'm constantly marveling at uh, the creativity of both of my boys. But they take what is there and create things out of it. They don't actually create Legos out of nothing, right? They don't, they don't come up. Dad buys the bricks. And let's be honest, sometimes dad buys it because he wants to play with it first, right? Watch out, kids. I'll show you how this goes together. Um, so there's still a little bit of that. But it, I provide all of that for them, and they get to participate in that. And you and I, in, in the world, like we get to be creative, right? We get to create music, and we get to create uh, uh, things with the uh, works of our hands. We can be bakers and carpenters. We can do all kinds of activity in the world, and we get to co-create when we partner with the plans and purposes of God, and we live out the aligned plans and purposes of God in our life. We get to, we get to work with Dad in all of these things, but we can't create something out of nothing. We create something out of the something God created out of nothing. And the language here that Paul's using when he goes back and when he says, you are a new creation, and he's pinning it on Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, earlier in the letter to 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about this. He uses the language of the light shining in the darkness, same creation language to talk about this new life in Christ. When he's doing that, what he's indicating here as a new creation is that God has done something in you that only God can do. Only God can create this new creation out of what was there before. It's a new form, new quality, and it's something altogether different than what was there before. And the language throws back to Genesis to remind us that the way that God intended us to be created, to uh, relate to him and to one another and to the world around us, that is now beginning to be restored in us in Christ Jesus. It's the first kind of act 
of uh, uh, redemption in the whole of the earth, he gets, to, he gets to start that work in you and in me. And it's important to recognize that God has an intention to recreate the heavens and the earth. Did you know that? That, that God has a, an intention to not just redeem you from hell, but he's going to redeem all of creation from the effects of sin and death. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, as he speaks through the prophet to the people, he says, I will create a new heaven or new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. He talks about redeeming all of creation, not just you and I out of creation. Sometimes we have an incomplete theology of redemption, and we suppose that God's plan for you and I is that he's going to rescue us just from this broken world, and he's going to put us in heaven, and the rest of this is all going to burn. And part of that is true, but it's also going to be then recreated. A new heaven and a new earth. Gen uh, Revelation chapter 21 is a great place to go to look at the end of the book at how uh, John saw prophetically kind of those times. And in Gen uh, Revelation, excuse me, chapter 21, it talks about a new heaven and a new earth and a Ju new Jerusalem. Chapter 22 talks about a new river of life flowing out from the center of that place. There's a redemption of all things that God intends for creation. He intends to redeem all of creation unto himself, but you and I get to begin to experience all of that that has on offer in the kingdom of God personally now because of the work of Jesus in us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul uses this language to talk about what it means to be in Christ. He says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as, look at this word, first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through the belief in the truth. The first fruits of what? The first fruits of redemption, the first fruits of, re of reconciliation, that what God intends to do in all of creation, he offers to you and I first individually in our relationship with him, and we get to begin to experience all of what he intends to do at the end. So that's why when Jesus says, I've come that you would have life and that you would have it to the full, that he's not talking about just rescuing you from a broken world for a heaven someday, but you can begin to experience life now because he is at work in you and you are the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So you get to begin to ex experience kingdom life prior to making it into the kingdom. Does that make sense? And so the Lord... Uh, is, is looking to begin his work of redemption in you and I. And we get to begin to experience that now. But you and I, if we are followers of Christ, we are new creations, but we still live in the old creation, don't we? And, and that's where the rub happens. That, that's where we start having these difficulties. This is where the confusion is created. This is why you and I would say, hey, I'm a new creation, but why do I still act like the old creation? Or, hey, I'm a new creation. Why do I still have to deal with the, the, the things of this world that are, are still broken? I gave my life to Jesus, and now my life is more difficult. Has anybody found themselves in that place? I took a step of faith and now it seems like life is more difficult for me or my plans are going more awry or I took a step of faith and it seems like there's more opposition to the things that are going on in my life. Why is that happening? It's because you are a new creation trying to walk out 
that new creation life in the old creation, and that causes friction. But recognizing that can be really, really helpful for us. The struggle for us is that we are the new creation, but we're still in our old bodies, right? It would have been nice that when uh, we gave our hearts to Jesus that our bodies stopped aging or at least stopped aching, right? That there would be kind of a reversal of those things. But you can bow your head and close your eyes and you can offer your life to Christ and open your eyes and look in the mirror and think, well, that didn't work because you just look the same. You can sometimes just even feel the same. We still have the same mind and we still have the same will. That's why in a couple of weeks we'll talk about what it means to be renewed in the attitude of your mind. There's, there's this new you inside that has to start working its way out through the other expressions of your life. Your spirit is alive because of the work of Jesus, but your mind and will and your body are not necessarily on board yet. And so there's this process where we are new, but we're still wrapped in our old selves, and we're still living in this old place. And when we recognize that, then we can begin to remind ourselves that we are new creations and then begin to make purpose decisions to align the activity of our life towards living out that reality. But oftentimes, we don't remind ourselves of that truth because we feel kind of the struggle, the conflict, the difficulty of being new in the old. We don't necessarily recognize what's taking place. And when we don't recognize that, then you and I resort to attempting to refurbish ourselves. We go back to, you know what, God, this time I'm really going to follow through on what I know I'm supposed to do. This time I'm going to get it right. Or this time I'll say no to that temptation that last time I said yes to. Again, I'm going to pinky swear. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to put forth the effort. I'm going to double down and I'm going to present my refurbished self to you, God, and you're really going to love this. We go about it the wrong direction. Paul uses that type of language. He uses it as trying to have a salvation of works. means that I'm going to work for it. I'm going to show myself approved. I'm going to get the gold stars. I'm going to do the things to show that I've changed and, and then it's going to be true of me, and we start working backwards. If you went to a, a, a bookstore, they still have those, by the way, um, but if you went to actual brick-and-mortar bookstore, you could find row upon row of books that would be identified as self-help books, places for you to go to, to read and to learn and to apply helpful concepts and disciplines for you to get your life figured out. And those places have, have merit, those disciplines can uh, bring about a certain uh, measure of fruit, and they can be helpful. There's whole sections that would be called Christian self-help. So it's the same concept, but we'll sprinkle a little Jesus and some Bible verses on it, and maybe that's going to make it extra special for us. And I'm not going to belittle discipline. We need to be disciplined. We do need to take steps. There is an element of partnering with the things of God in our lives, but you can't start there. You have to start with who you are in Christ. You have to start with the identity piece, and then you can begin to look for helpful hints on how to maybe overcome some of the obstacles, but you can't go from the backwards in. You got to go from the inside out to get there. 
Because when you and I start just trying to be more disciplined, right? Just go back to January, whatever your promise was for this year that was going to be different, that wasn't different by the end of January and still isn't different now. Whatever that was. Like, if, if we go back to that place, we try to, try to help ourselves, we're going to be disciplined. And what's problematic for you and I when it comes to our spirituality is when that doesn't work, we just become more religious. We become more religious. I'm just, I'm just going to do more churchy stuff. I'm going to try to memorize some more scripture, or you know what, this week I'll get to church in person. Like, I'm just, I'm going to risk it, be in there with all them people breathing on me, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to get more religious. We're going to do more. We're going to be better. And then that kind of brings about an attitude of judgment. We become judgmental of ourselves and then of others. And we begin to go down a road that doesn't lead to life. It leads actually back to bondage and death. We've got a colloquial phrase uh, where you take something and you try to dress it up and present it as something else as if it's better, right? We're going to go and we're going to put lipstick on a pig, right? We, we recognize that. Sometimes that's what we do with our spirituality. We see places in our life where we're not walking out kingdom life, where we're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit, where we're not in alignment with the plans and purposes of God for us, but instead of reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ and then making decisions based on that, we just try to be better. And we just start putting lipstick on the pig and we get religious and we get judgmental and we get works oriented and, and this time, this time I'm really going to do it. No, you're not. If you could have done it in your own strength, you would have done it the last time. This time what you really need to do is surrender to Jesus and allow his spirit to have access in directing your life. We need to surrender and move forward. We, we need to be reminded of our identity in Christ in order to see this come to effect. Like Jesus didn't use the phrase lipstick uh, on a pig. I like that. If he had, I would, it would have been probably a t-shirt we would wear, right? But he said something just as harsh to the religious leaders of his time. He said, you are whitewashed tombs, spoken to the Pharisees. He actually called them a pit of vipers as well, but the whitewashed tombs is the one that really kind of dug to them. He said, you are clean and ornamental on the outside, but in you is death. Why? Because they were not living kingdom life oriented by faith and relationship with the Father. They were walking out self-help, disciplined religion in a judgmental way where they judge themselves and others under a heavy yoke that no one could measure up to. They were putting lipstick on the pig. And when you and I just try to adjust our activity, when we're going to change our appearance or our routine or our vocabulary, and when we try to uh, adjust things in our life in artificial ways, we're simply trying to work towards God, and it's a futile effort. And the more we go about doing that, the more we try to perform to show ourselves somehow to be the children of God, the, the further away from the Lord we get. Actually, it has the opposite effect. Sometimes we think that if, if, you know, if I get to church a lot, then I'm going to feel like I'm really going to be in the presence of God. Or if I, if I try really hard to not say this word or, or to be generous or the things in Scripture that I'm encouraged to do, this time I'm going to discipline myself to do it. That, that when we go about doing that, we have a tendency actually to shy away from the Lord. Because we're like, whoa, 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 not yet. Let me, let me just finish working on this piece. Let me get this part adjusted. Let me get kind of cleaned up. 
and then I will present myself to you. I'm going to be clean, and I'm going to be better, I'm going to be great. No, you'll be refurbished. And you're kind of rolling the dice on your performance because you can't sustain it. We don't need to be refurbished. We need to be made new. And the good news is that you don't make yourself new. Jesus does that. He does that for you and for I. When we work towards it, it's a losing effort. I grew up in Southern California uh, in the desert area. We had a five-acre desert lot just over the fence from our house. Me and my brothers, we would jump that fence, sharpen sticks, and lord of the flies it back there, chasing jackrabbits. Uh, my parents uh, were okay with that because it was quiet at home for a little bit. I understand that now as a parent of young kids. But we would hop the fence, we'd be playing out there, and we'd catch uh, you know, bugs and critters and scorpions and things along those lines. But there was one uh, type of insect back there that was uh, really an, an incredible one um, and interesting to me, and it was called an antlion. I don't know if you're familiar with those or you know what they are, but there's uh, this, this little bug, and what they do is they dig backwards in a circle down into the sand. And as they do it, they create a funnel that goes down to the bottom, and once they kind of get that created, they bury themselves in the sand underneath it at the bottom, and then they just hang out. And they wait for ants and insects and other kind of little creepy crawly things to, to come by, and when they kind of get on the rim of that, uh, of that funnel, the sand starts to slide underneath their feet. And that alerts the ant lion at the bottom, and it's just waiting, and as soon as it knows that something's there, it puts its jaws up through the sand like this. Now, that looks like big jaws. They're really tiny. They eat ants. So, like, quit freaking out. Just the visual for you to see. But the jaws come up like this, and that ant starts scurrying. And the sand's going out underneath. And then the quicker that it tries to address its situation, the more it tries to help itself, the more perilous, perilous it becomes. And it ends up sliding down to the bottom until the jaws clamp on the ant. And it's pulled underneath the sand. It's injected with a chemical that paralyzes it. And then its insides are liquefied. And the antlion sucks all the juices out and then throws the shell out. You can watch a video on YouTube. They've got music to it. It's pretty creepy. <laughs> but I share that with you because when we go about trying to refurbish ourselves, when we go about trying to, to save ourselves in a sense, like it, it's, it's a losing it's a losing endeavor. And the more you work and the more you try to somehow show that you don't need a savior, the more in peril you become. And you're sliding, you're sliding towards death. And that happens to us when uh, we are pre-Christians, right? That happens to us as we're trying to work our way to God and get his favor before we have received salvation. But unfortunately, even after our soul is saved, there's times in our practical life that we still do the same thing. Where we work really hard to somehow try to fix our relationships. That we work really hard to somehow try to fix our finances. That we work really hard in some ways to somehow deal with our crisis of faith. And we go right back to our own strength. And at the end of that effort is always death and decay. There's no life there. And we slide into that place when we don't realize that we are already a new creation. When you can rest in what Jesus has already done in you you can begin to walk in confidence the things that he would do through you. That it begins with what he's done on the inside. 
Otherwise, we end up getting caught in a trap of self-help or religious performance, and we forget that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. That's our part. Our part is that we put our faith in Jesus, and his grace brings about the transformation in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, we're going to touch on this verse, and this is going to give us a practical step for this week. Because as we go into this series, we need to be uh, convinced that we are a new creation, but we also need to have an idea of what to do with that truth, because when the rubber hits the road, right, we need to know what decisions to make. How do I address those issues in my life? Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul encourages us with this statement. He says, put on the new self. Now, in a lot of his letters, he talks about new creation, new self, old self, that the old self needs to go away, that the new self needs to be attended to. The new creation has to do with who you've been fundamentally created to be in Christ, and you're in Christ, right, when you have received him as your Lord and Savior. But when he speaks here and he says, put on the new self, which is, look at this, being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. The, the new self, it has to do with this idea of purposely aligning the affirmation of our heart with the truth of who we are and then acting on that. Putting on the new self is making a conscious and purposed agreement with the truth of our new identity in Jesus. It's saying, I am reminding myself that I am a new creation. And the new creation now responds to this situation different. It's when we are reminded of who we are that we can actually apply that to the way that we live our lives, that we can walk out in that. We need to be reminded of who we are in Christ so that we can walk that truth out in the practical decisions. As we go out today in just a little bit, and you are facing difficulties, as you're facing challenges, as you're facing decisions. Before you act, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. I am a new creation, and therefore I respond to this situation in a new way. It's much easier to orient the direction of our life from a starting point of a secure identity than it is to just take any arbitrary point of life and try to work our way back to discovering who we are through our effort and through our work. You will never get to Jesus trying to work your way to him. We always get to him by his work in us. Church family, I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Worship team, if you would come forward. We're going to take a few minutes to respond. Allow the Lord to search our hearts and to draw us to a response this morning. As the worship team's coming forward, I'm going to invite you to do something for me. I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes and uh, bow your head just as a matter of closing out distractions. Lord, soften our hearts to hear from you today. Lord, that in these next moments that we would be responsive to not only your word, but to your spirit, that you would speak to each one of us. In that place of just quiet heart and humility before the Lord, I would like to offer a few questions for you. The first one is, what would your life look like? What would your life look like this week if you lived from the truth that you are already a new creation in Christ instead of towards that end trying to work your way there? 
instead of striving for it, what if you lived from it as being something that Christ has already done in you? In, in Christ, you are a new creation. In Christ, you can live in agreement with that truth, that you can walk in the freedom that it brings because the work has already been done. The work is finished and you can apply it. You can respond to it. The other question that begs being asked is, are you a new creation? See, the statement that Paul makes that you are a new creation the old is gone and that the new is here, that is a statement that is true for those who are in Christ. That statement is true for each one of you here who has received forgiveness for your sin, each one of you here who has received salvation. You put your faith in Jesus. The book of Romans says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that you will be saved. And if you haven't done that yet, what a great, what a great day to begin. What a great day to become a new creation. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you this morning, if you know that you need to say yes to Jesus, you need to put your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, you need to put your belief in him that he was raised from the dead as we celebrated last week. If that's you, if you would just put your hand up, indicate that to me, but more importantly, offer your heart to the Lord. Yes, Yes, Lord, you see those hands, but more importantly, you see those hearts that are saying yes to you today. Lord, would you do that? Lord, right now in this moment, as they acknowledge Jesus, you are my Lord, and as they believe in their heart that you were raised from the dead, Lord, do that work right now. Finish that work in this very moment. Create new creations in our church family. Lord, give them that birth of faith and draw them to you. And Lord, give them the courage to share that with somebody, to go to the prayer station and receive prayer, or to share that with a, a friend or a guest who brought them. Lord, that they would confirm with their mouth what you've just done, that you've transferred them from death to life in Jesus Christ. And Lord, for my friends here who have already been made new in Christ. Lord, those of us who have been new creations, maybe for a long time, but we've still been living like old creations at times. Lord, would you do a fresh work in us that, that liberates us from the chains of performance. Lord, that liberates us from the weight of trying to be religious. Lord, that frees us from the folly of self-help. Lord, we trust in you for the places that we're frantically working and sliding further in to that funnel of death Lord would you liberate us in Christ and this week remind us in the decisions that we make and the challenges that we face that we are made new in Christ that we are new creations and help us then after affirming that truth to make decisions that align with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Action steps for you. If you got a smartphone or a tablet, I want to encourage you to take a picture of it. Uh, begin each day this week reading 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18. That's our new creation scriptures. Number two, be reminded 
each morning that you have already been made new in Christ. And then as that reminder takes root in your heart, live from that place 